try to talk a little bit slower today than we did last week. Um, was trying to, to finish early. Everybody thought we finally broke him of talking so fast, and then they came to class last week and said, oh, no, he's, he's doing it again. So we're going to slow down a little bit uh, uh, today in today's uh, lesson, looking at this, continuing to look at the idea of being more than conquerors, continuing our way through the alphabet. Last week was on the topic of rebellion, kind of an interesting topic uh, today. We're going to talk about the idea of self-reliance. Uh, overcoming self-reliance, and we'll see this is something that uh, uh, we have a, a built-in mindset, especially in, in a cultures that we're a part of, to be very self-reliant, uh, and we'll see how that is in, in, in some cases, and in many cases, actually appropriate um, mindset, but in spiritual things, um, it is not. So we'll be looking at that topic this morning. You go to Proverbs 28. I don't know if I told you the chapter or not, Proverbs 28 is where we'll begin this morning. We'll uh, um, get to that verse here in just a moment, but to kind of get our, our minds thinking along this way, uh, if you've ever raised children or been around um, young children, there is a point that comes very early where they want to begin to try out their independence. Um, for my children, it always happened. It happened with every one of them, um, except for Carolina. She hasn't gotten there yet, but about two, two and a half years, a little hot here on the mic, um, about two, two and a half years old, right at the bottom of the steps over here. Happened with every one of them, happened the same way, right when they can just touch the handrail and we go to come upstairs, what they say is, I can do it by myself, right? That's where we try out the independence for the young people. I can do it by myself. You know, as a parent, that statement brings a lot of, lot of emotions with it when it comes to hearing your child say something like that. Uh, there's that sadness of, oh, my, my little baby's growing up and, and can go up the stairs uh, on his or her own. Uh, there is an alarm that happens, like, whoa, okay, here's some attitude coming out that we need to start watching out for. Uh, there is excitement. Now I don't have to carry them up the stairs. They can walk themselves. Uh, that's, a, that's a blessing. Um, there is uh, frustration. This is going to take forever to get to the top of the stairs now <laughs> coming up. So you have all these motions as, as your young person begins to try out their independence. That attitude that starts as a child stays with us through our, throughout our lives. This is especially true for us as Americans. Uh, freedom is, is a big part of the culture in our, our country. The pioneering spirit um, who doesn't get excited about the thought of, like, man, it would have been to live in the day where we got into a wagon and drove into the wilderness and just got to be there and conquer, conquer nature and most of us would have died. But it's okay. We would have been pioneering spirits as we go out into the, into the wilderness. The American dream, uh, we, have, we even celebrate Independence Day. That's an American thing. We have Independence Day. All this stirs in our heart that we can do for ourselves. You know, the American dream, being a self-made uh, individual, entrepreneurial spirit, all that that's in our, our, our country. Uh, this attitude we can have in our churches. I mean, we are independent Baptists, right? Um, as we get this, this, this spirit of, uh, of, of being on our own, making our own decisions. No one can tell me what to do. These, are all, these all have good and positive ways that they can be implemented. We should grow up and start to take care of ourselves. Um, I don't want to carry my six-year-old up the stairs. Um, he needs to learn to walk up on his own. Uh, you need to have personal responsibility and accountability. Those are clear Bible principles taught and seen in the Bible. Freedom 
is something that is very important to God. It is amazing to do or to look at the idea of freedom um, in creation and how God gave that to man. You know, God giving man freedom to make choices, God knew that was going to cost the life of his son, but he gave it to man anyway as how much God values um, freedom. If you go to God's first command to uh, Adam in the garden, he talks about freedom in the command. He said, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Freely, he, he, he says. And then he gives the restriction. There's the one that you can't eat of. Freedom, we talked about a little bit uh, a week ago. Freedom is not, or a couple weeks ago, freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want. Freedom is the ability to live right within God's law. That's what freedom is. And God says, you have so much freedom as long as you stay within my boundaries. But when Satan came along to tempt Adam and Eve, when he said, didn't God say you could have of every tree of the garden? He left out the freedom part. He said, freedom is to get to do what God says you shouldn't do. That's what the devil portrayed freedom as. Freedom's to do to live outside of God's law. That's what freedom really is. Freedom is getting to do whatever you want. That is the devil's mentality about freedom. But what did that result in? Were Adam and Eve free once they ate of the fruit of the tree? No, they were in bondage. They became slaves to sin. The freedom to do whatever you want leads to slavery. The freedom to live within the law, to live within God's boundaries, gives freedom and blessing. But freedom is something that's important to God. And we see that right there in the creation story, a very interesting study. Freedom, the right kind, is very important to God. Even the idea of us as independent Baptists, it's a, it's a biblical truth. The Bible teaches the autonomy of the local church, the priesthood of the believers. These are all illustrations of the proper way to view our responsibilities as individuals before God. Where things get out of whack is where we allow arrogance to cause us to only see ourselves and to ignore God and others. You know, as a parent, I do allow my young children to walk up the stairs in their own strength. When uh, It'll be happening in, in a couple months that Caroline is going to be at the bottom of the stairs and she's going to say, I can do it by myself. And I'm going to let her walk up in her own strength. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hold her hand while she does it. And that's the way as Christians we need to get to the point where we're walking on our own, but we're still holding God's hand. That's the proper way to be self-reliant. But it's when we, it's when we push, push away the hand which happens a little bit older with the kids. They want to start pushing the hand away. That's where we've got the arrogant attitude of, no, it is just me, and I don't need you anymore. And we need to guard ourselves of that attitude. It's not something we would say, but it's something that we act out. We have responsibilities to do, but we should never do them in our own strength. We need to keep holding on to God's hand. You know, as people, we are very naturally self-focused. I want what's best for me. Uh, that's, what we, that's what we do. That's the way we grow up. We have selfishness and a focus on self built into our very, uh, our very nature. I remember evangelist when I was a young person uh, coming to our church, and he gave a great illustration that really brought this home and, and stuck with me. And he said, what kind of a person are you? You can tell when someone's passing out a plate of cookies. He said, if you are looking down at the cookies to find the biggest one, that's one type of person. If you're looking up at the person passing them out so you can say thank you, you're a different kind of person. So what kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person that looks at the plate or are you the kind of person that looks at the person? And I said, well, I look at the plate and find the biggest cookie. Then I look up at the person and say thank you. Um, I, want, I want both, right? Uh, but no, what's, what's our attitude? I'm interested in what's best for me or I'm focused on others. So that's a simple illustration, but it does uh, really put things into perspective. Our interest in ourselves is so natural that God uses it to teach 
us how we should treat others. You know, God's just, God knows our nature, and you are, you are interested in yourself, so God uses that to teach you about others. Love thy neighbor as thyself. God says, you love yourself a lot. Why don't you treat other people that way? Uh, husbands um, ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Um, for no man yet hateth himself, his own flesh. Uh, God says, hey, you want to learn how to love your wife? Treat her like you treat yourself. Um, and that's how a husband's supposed to uh, love his wife. As important as ourself is to us, God did not make us to be islands. Today we're going to look at the idea of overcoming self-reliance and to see we're not islands unto ourselves. Uh, we have a responsibility to rely on God and to rely on others. So if you found your place there in Proverbs chapter 28, we're going to read verse number 26. Proverbs 28, 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. We're going to focus on that first part of that verse. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Very simple, very clear, but we'll look at what that means a little bit this morning. Let's open a word of prayer. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for your word, what it teaches us. Lord, I pray we would learn uh, to see our lives in, in the proper perspective, Lord, that we can't do anything in our own strength and have it be successful, Lord. But we need to learn uh, to rely on you and those that you've put, uh, Lord, into our life to minister to us, Father. I pray we would uh, lose the arrogance of this attitude of being relying on ourselves, Lord, and learn to uh, rely on you and on others, Lord. pray you bless this time in your word this morning. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So we'll start this morning. If you have your notes, they're available in the back if you did not get them. But we have a discussion of self-reliance. Well, what, what's this, what does this look like when we learn to rely on ourselves? We saw our verse this morning, he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. In this verse, the Bible gives us a very clear warning against self-reliance. The word here for trusteth is an interesting word. It means to run to for refuge. To run to for refuge. Where do you go when trouble shows up? We had the big windstorm uh, that came through the other day, and, and it just came our other week, a couple months ago, whenever it was, um, that, that happened. And uh, um, my kids were outside playing, and you know that if you were around, that, that came on so suddenly, you didn't see it coming. But um, Titus did. He saw it coming. Caleb was there with him. I think Caleb told him, run down to the house. And so Titus grabbed his sister and started running to the house um, because this storm was on the way. Where do you run to when you need refuge? The Bible says, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. When you have a problem and you go to yourself for the answer, that's a fool, the Bible says. Where do you go when you have a need? Where do you go when you have a problem? If you go to yourself for the answer, the Bible says that you are a fool. A self-reliant individual runs to their own ability, their own strength, their own wealth, their own intellect. They go to these for um, when they have a need. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is the first time this word trusteth shows up in the Bible. Gives us a good illustration of this. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse number 49, down through 52. Deuteronomy 28, 49 through 52. Says it's a warning here to Israel about how, what would happen to them when they forget God. Verse 49 says, The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far. From the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor show favor to the young. So this enemy is going to come, all right? 
verse number 51, they'll eat the fruit of thy cattle, the fruit of thy land, until thou be destroyed, which also thou shalt not leave either uh, leave thee either corn, wine, oil, or the increase of thy kine, or flocks of thy sheep, until he hath destroyed thee. Verse 52, he shall besiege, besiege thee in all thy gates, until, notice this, thy high and fenced walls come down wherein thou trustest. Thy high walls wherein thou trustest. God says when, when the problem comes and you've put confidence in your own ability, in your own walls, in your own sources of protection, those are going to come down. Uh, when the enemy shows up, what were the Israelites supposed to trust in? Trust in God. God was supposed to be. They didn't need to multiply to themselves horses. They weren't supposed to trust in the strength of the horse for battle. They were supposed to trust in the Lord. But God says, you're going to forget me, and you're going to build these walls, and you're going to say these walls will protect me. Well, there's going to come problems that your walls aren't going to be able to deal with. And when your confidence, when your trust is in something that's not trustworthy, when the trouble comes, it's going to fall. A refuge is a place of perceived safety. Have you ever put confidence in something that you uh, should not have? I was telling somebody the other day a story of when I was a young person and I attempted pole vaulting uh, at our church playground. We were hanging out at the church. Our parents were doing some decorating things. Our moms were, me and some other homeschool kids. So somebody had a video camera and you get a bunch of boys together with a video camera. Bad things are going to happen. Um, and so let's see who can jump over the fence with this pole vaulting thing. So I got this pole I found in the woods, a metal pole, um, and I was going to pole vault over this fence. Got a good running start, stuck the pole in the ground, got up over the fence and the pole broke um, while I was up in the air over the fence. And I come down and I landed with my ankle in the barbs in the top of the fence that stuck in my ankle and I'm hanging upside down from the fence with my ankle caught in the metal on top. And my first response to my friends was, get my sock and shoe off so I don't get blood on them and my mom doesn't find out, right? We don't want mom to know what we were doing. Um, and then you guys can help get me down because I have to somehow do a sit-up um, and get my ankle untangled from these metal because I put confidence in something that, that shouldn't be relied on. There's a time as a teenager that I went uh, hunting and I was just walking through the woods going hunting, squirrel hunting, had my 22 with me. I'm by myself. I'm in the middle of the woods. And I got to a point where I was going to cross the creek uh, to get to the other side to go, to go hunting. And the way the creek is, if you're in the woods often, they've, they've kind of eroded the ground and there was maybe about a four or five foot deep uh, hole that, where the creek was. And the creek was maybe about eight feet across. So I'm looking for a good spot to cross. I find one where there's a sandbar right in the middle of the creek. And like, that's a good place to cross. So I go from the, from the ledge that I'm on to jump to the sandbar. Then I'm going to jump to the other side of the creek. Well, I jump to land. Now, this creek is about this deep of water. Sandbar sticking about that high out of the water. I jump and land on the sandbar, and I land this deep in the sand. Um, that was quicksand that I happened to jump into. Um, I'm up, up halfway above, like about four inches above my waist, landed in quicksand by myself in the middle of the woods with my gun over my head saying, all right, now what? Because <laughs> I put confidence in something that, now I got out, all right, just so everybody knows. Um, I didn't I did make it out uh, without a problem. But um, I, I landed, I put confidence in something that wasn't trustworthy. And the Bible says, he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. You're putting confidence when you rely on yourself for the answers. You're putting confidence in something that's not trustworthy. The Bible says if you put refuge in your own heart, you are a fool. If you go to the Hebrew uh, lexicon and look up this word fool to do a word study, it's a very short definition when it comes to this word fool. It means stupid or silly. Um, that's what the God's perspective on somebody who runs to their own self 
in a time of need. And that's the warning here about self-reliance. This is contrasted in the book of Proverbs. The first time the word Proverbs uses this word trusteth is in a very familiar verse in Proverbs chapter 3. Let's go back there. Proverbs 3, verse number 5. Proverbs 3, verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That's where your confidence is supposed to be. That's where you run to when you have a need is you go to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Here we're admonished to trust in the Lord. Trust, again, means to run to refuge, run to for refuge. You can be confident in God as your refuge. You can completely trust him without any fear of his failing you. God is a confident thing to run to. You look at the examples of God in the Bible. You have God being a high tower, God being a refuge, God being a shield and a buckler. The angel Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. God is a trustworthy source to, to rely on in a time of need. He says there to trust with all your heart. That means you just put, put it all on God, completely rely on God, and also don't hold anything back. You know, we can trust God with our eternity, but when it comes to our bills, we have the answers. We can trust God with our salvation, but when it comes to our health, we're, we're going to look to, uh, look to man. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the doctor when you're sick. There's, 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 God's given doctors great wisdom, and you can, God can use them to heal. But is God involved at all when you have a health need? We trust God completely in his word to be true, but we can take care of our family and raising our, children's, um, on our children on our own. Don't hold anything back from God. It says there, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and it contrasts it. it. says, lean not unto thine own understanding. You know, we just looked at the tendency we have to put our trust in ourselves. God did not caution us in this verse against trusting ourselves. That's what I was warning against. He said, lean not unto thine own understanding. You know, we did a mountain climbing theme this year for Vacation Bible School. It doesn't take a lot of strength in a rope for somebody to lean on it. If you're just going to lean on that rope, it doesn't really require uh, much strength. I'm going to ask Caleb to help me with the illustration here. Caleb, give me a hand real quick. All right? This is electrical tape. Not very strong. Can you, can you break this, you think? All right. Hopefully, if I can get it unstuck. There we go. Break off a piece of that. Let's see how strong it is. All right, there we go. See that now wasn't, this isn't very strong material, okay? Very weak electrical tape is. Based on some reading that I did, it has a, about a four to six pound of breaking strength. It means it takes about four to six pounds to break on it, break it. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to hold this tape. Caleb's going to go in front of these chairs here. And I want to see how far you can lean on this piece of tape. I'm going to move a little bit this way. All right, go ahead and lean on it. Lean, 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 lean. There it goes. He leaned a pretty good bit on that little piece of tape. Even though that tape has hardly any strength at all, this is very weak. Now, when it comes to climbing, I have a climbing rope that I use for tree work. Um, it has a breaking strength of 7,500 pounds. That's a rope I can trust, all right, because I'm not, I'm not near 7,500 pounds. Um, I'm a little bit less than that. So I can, I can trust, have confidence in that rope. And I can completely rely on, I could jump out of the tree and fall and that rope would catch me because it's trustworthy. God says, don't even lean on your own understanding. He said, your understanding is so weak, I wouldn't even trust you to lean on it. We, we took something that only holds three pounds and he leaned about a foot and a half away from me and it was still okay to hold him. God says, your understanding is so weak, don't even bother leaning on it. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. But what happens when we have trouble? We run to, I can take care of it. I, can, I have the answers. I can come up with the solution. This is the contrast that's being made here in Proverbs. That we don't want to trust. God doesn't want us to um, lean on our own understanding at all. Put our trust in the Lord. But instead, we put our trust in ourselves. So does this mean we just do nothing and simply rely on God to do it all? Just let God take care of it? No, we have an example of this um, in the people of Israel when it comes to the crossing of the Red Sea. Moses, you look at Moses, he talks to the people at the edge of the Red Sea. He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You just watch what God's going to do. And God says to Moses, all right, what are you doing? Tell the people to go forward. Um, don't, don't just stand there. You guys got some work to do. You need to, you need to move forward. Now, the, the, the salvation came from God or from the people? From God. Nobody in that group could split the sea in half so that they could walk through. God had to do it. That, that, that there is no way for them to be saved from their, their predicament if it hadn't been for God. But let me ask you this. If they just stood still, would they have gotten away from their enemy? No, they had a responsibility to do as well. That Yes, God was the one who made it happen, but they had something to do. And so we don't just sit and let God take everything. We have a responsibility to fulfill. God's given us instructions on how we're supposed to live. There's some things we're supposed to do by ourselves, if you want to put it that way, but we have to do it relying on God because God's the one that makes it possible. You know, at Hunt Valley Baptist Church, we say it this way. If we do what we can do, God... God will do the rest. All right? that's, that's relying on God while we do our responsibilities. So we have this idea of self-reliance and how it's pictured for us. We're going to look at some depictions or some characters who show self-reliance. Adam and Eve relied on their smarts. Uh, they relied on their own intellect. God's law didn't make sense to them. They thought they knew better than what God had said. They were tempted with the thought that they could live independently of God. What were they told? Ye shall be as gods. Oh, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that stir? You're going to know stuff. He said you'll know uh, good and evil. You're going to be like God in that way. And they're tempted with their own intellect, relying on what they thought was best instead of what God had said. Why did they need to be like gods? They already had a God. But that God was keeping them from something that they wanted. And so they're going to go their own way. They're going to trust in their own intellect. I know that's what God said, but I think that this is better. This is that pride and rebellion we were talking about last week. So Adam and Eve relied on their smarts, their intellect. Samson relied on his strength. We don't have time to look at the whole story of, of Samson, but you're familiar with it. He was given supernatural strength by God. Samson was probably a pretty normal, average guy. I know we have this picture in our mind from, from childhood of the pictures that they show in class of this big, hulking, strong guy that um, Samson would, would, have, would have been. But the Philistines said, what's the secret to his strength? You know, if Samson was six foot six and 350 pounds of muscle and just rippling, they wouldn't have asked what the secret was. Like, I think I know why he's so strong. He's got a lot of muscles. But Samson's probably just a pretty average guy that God gave supernatural strength to. So Samson should have known this isn't me. Um, as far as his, his own ability or his own, uh, what he was doing. But when Samson uses his strength in the Bible, what does he use it for? He uses it for himself. Now, there was a, a second effect of, yes, he was killing the enemies of God, but Samson used his strength selfishly. When he defeated the lion, when he went to kill the men to take their clothes, when he was going to um, show off and kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of the donkey, when he was going to carry the gates away because of people trying to lock him in, uh, all of it related to what Samson wanted and what Samson was doing. 
Even in his death, he asked God for one more feat of strength. So he could get vengeance on those that mocked his God? No. He wanted vengeance for his eyes. He wanted to kill over a thousand people just because they poked his eyes out. It's all about Samson. The focus was all on Samson, and he was looking to himself for his strength. One of the saddest verses we see in the Bible is found in the description of Samson's self-reliance on his own strength. This verse is Delilah speaking. She said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. He awoke out of his sleep, and he said, I will go out, as at other times before, and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. He said, I can still handle this. I can still do this. I've got the strength to do this. Now, he wasn't confused. Um, He knew his head had been shaved. You know, I get a haircut about once a month. And when I do, I can feel the difference of the weight on my head with that, that little bit of a haircut. And my hair is pretty thin. I don't, there's not a very big pile when I get a haircut. But I can feel the difference. Samson never had a haircut before. When he woke up, he knew something was gone. But he said, I don't, that doesn't matter. I can do this. I can handle this problem. I don't, I don't need that. I don't need God. I can do it on my own. That was Samson's attitude because he relied on his own strength. He thought he could have victory on his own strength. He did not need God's help. He was so used to relying on himself that he hadn't even realized God was departed from him. Because he didn't rely on God the other times either. It was all about Samson. And I don't need God. I can do it myself. So when God was gone, Samson didn't even know. Because he said, you know what? I can still do this on my own. When was the last time you were aware of God's help and power in a situation in your life? Or have you gotten so used to doing life by yourself that you wouldn't be able to tell if God left you on your own? When was the last time I was aware of God helping me in this situation? I need God's help. I couldn't do this on my own. I'm just so used to doing it on my own, I wouldn't be able to tell if God was there or not. That's where Samson was. He got so used to relying on himself, he couldn't tell that God wasn't around anymore. That he'd measured so far from what God wanted that he was out there on his own, and he thought that was okay. But it turns out it wasn't. Samson on his own uh, wasn't enough for the trouble. He couldn't lean on his own strength when God wasn't there. So Samson relied on his strength. Adam and Eve relied on their smarts. Saul relied on his own spirituality. We looked at Saul last week in brief detail, but he relied on his spirituality. He offered a sacrifice on his own because somebody needed to do it, and who better than me? I know Samuel's not here. I'm supposed to wait for him to let him do it, but I'm the king. I've been anointed too. Let me go ahead and do the sacrifice. Um, I, can, I can take care of this. I can handle it on my own. He changed the command of God because he knew better than God, and he knew better than God's man. He was spiritual enough. He could do worship on his own. I don't need God or his instructions. I'll pick the sacrifice. I'll make a sacrifice to God of how I want to do it, and, uh, and that'll be good enough for God. Because this is, this is the, what I think. He was spiritual enough to do worship on his own without God. What arrogance, what pride. And how many times do we do church or ministry without God? Have, have you prayed for God to work in the church services this week? Have you prayed for God to do something in your own heart today? Or are we just used to doing church that we can show up and do it on our own? Because we, 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 I know how it works. I know how the church thing works. I know how I'm supposed to react. I know how I'm supposed to respond. I can do church on my own. Or do we rely on God? What's your devotional life look like? Do you do that on your own? Or is God there too? Well, I know how devotion is supposed to work. I sit down, read my Bible, I pray, and I'm done. 
And it doesn't affect me at all because it was all me and God wasn't involved. Relying on our own spirituality. So Adam and Eve relied on their smarts. We see that Samson relied on his strength. Uh, Saul relied on his spirituality. And we see the fool, the rich fool, relied on his success, on his money. We don't have time to look at the story, but we know the story of the rich fool and how he saw how much success he had in his business and his venture and his farms. And I'm going to do all this and I'm going to build farms and I'm going to take it easy because I've provided for myself and I just need myself because I can do it all on my own. And God said, thou fool, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. And you know what? His success wasn't enough to do it on his own. Relied on his own success. But what about us? How, how often is money the answer? Money the answer to the problem. It's very, very easy for us to say, oh, here's a problem. I can fix that. I got a card. I got a card that'll fix that. All right, my, my tires went out. I can fix it. I got, I got um, this need. I can fix that. We got this bill. I can fix that. Because I've, I've got one of these, right? That's going to take care of it. But what, what happens when this isn't enough? What happens when a child gets sick? In a seriously... What happens when, you're, when your mom's diagnosed with, with, with dementia or, or Alzheimer's or, 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 or cancer? What, what happens when, when, when the bill is bigger than what's in here? This isn't the answer. But how often is this our refuge? I can find shelter right here because this is enough to take care of me. That was the rich fool. He said, my money is enough for me. Samson said, my strength is enough for me. Uh, Saul said, my spirituality is enough for me. Adam Eve said, my intellect is enough for me. And they all ignored God. They were all relying on themselves. There's a contrast made with Jesus. If anyone could have relied on themselves, I think it would be the Son of God. Um, uh, of, of the one who spoke the world into existence. Uh, the word that was in the beginning with God. And how was the world formed? It was through the power of Christ and the word that God spoke. And that's, that's the creative power of Christ involved there um, at the very creation of the world. And, and all strength, he has the preeminence. If there's anybody who could rely on themselves, it would be Jesus. But there are many times we could look at throughout the life of Jesus that what did he do? He spent time in prayer, talking to God the Father. He would go before, if you look at the major events in Jesus' life and you go back a chapter or two, what you can usually find is Jesus spending all night in prayer. Before he's going to do a major miracle, before he's going to go and have a trial, before he's going to go and choose his disciples, before he was tempted of Satan in the wilderness, he spent 40 days in prayer. Before he was going to go face temptation. He didn't rely on himself. He relied on God in prayer. What did Jesus do before he went to the cross? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he went and he prayed. If Jesus had to rely on God to do life and ministry, I don't think I can do it on my own. I don't think you can do it on your own. We need to learn to rely on God. Jesus gives us that example. Here's another amazing truth about relying and not being self-reliant. Jesus also relied on his disciples. Of course, he brought his disciples and kept them with him for their instruction and training. But there were times in his ministry you see him bringing disciples along, particularly three of them, uh, for key moments in his ministry. Think of when he was teaching and the multitudes quit following him and they went away. What did he do? He looked at the disciples. Will ye also go away? I need you here. Don't, don't, don't leave me by myself. You see Christ relying on the disciples there. After John the Baptist was killed, his cousin was executed. He went away into the wilderness, but he brought his disciples with him. He said, I want you guys with me right now, as, as Jesus went to be alone. When Jesus went to pray in the garden, 
he brought the disciples with him. And then he left the disciples and he brought three of them and said, you guys come, come with me. Here's what he said. Then Jesus cometh with them unto a place called Gethsemane. He said unto his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And he said to them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. I want you with me right now because I'm going through a hard time. Jesus took advantage of the people that were around him and, and relied on him. And he relied on his father, but we try to do stuff on our own. I can go through this on my own. I can handle this on my own. So how do we defeat self-reliance? We saw the, it depicted, but how do, we, how do we get over this wrong mentality? We need to understand, first of all, that you're not your own. You're not your own. Our independent, self-reliant attitude flies directly into the face of the truth found in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If you're a Christian today, you belong to God. You're not your own. So you don't have the right to make your own decisions. You don't have the right to, to um, do whatever you want. You don't have the right to not be told what to do. You don't have the right to rely on your own strength, smarts, success, or spirituality. Because you belong to God. And He has authority in your life because you belong to Him. So we understand we're not our own. We're not our own to live our own way. We're not our own to make our own choices. God gets to be involved in those decisions. So first of all, when it comes to reliance, we need to learn to rely on God. If we're going to overcome self-reliance, we need to rely on God. And this is seen primarily in our prayer lives. What did Jesus say in his model prayer about relying on God? He said, give us this day our daily bread. That I need to go to God daily for my needs. And you say, well, I don't need daily bread because I've got a cupboard full at the house. Okay, well, you say you don't need God then? Because how involved is God in your day? and providing for you on a daily basis. It's more than just your bread that you're just talking about there. It's, it's an attitude or a spirit of trusting in and relying on God every day, and it's seen in your prayer life. If you can go all day without asking God for help, that means you're living life on your own. If you can go all day without saying, God, I need your help right now. I need to know what to say. I need safety as I drive to work. I need to wisdom on what to buy at the grocery store today. I need... If you can go all day without talking to God, you're doing life on your own. Because reliance on God is seen in prayer. And we see that in the life of Christ, that he relied on God in his prayer life. Prayer is asking God for help. It is the key to relying on God. If you want to get over being self-reliant, just pick an area in your life and say, where do I trust myself? Let's use the example of driving to work. You know, you've done it lots of times. You know how to drive. You've had your driver's license for a long time. This is something I can do on my own. But if you start every day, God, can you please give me a safe drive to work today? You're, you're, focus, you're taking your focus off of I can do this by myself and saying, you know what? I can't do it by myself. I need your help, God. And you just turn your focus from me to God. And what you're doing is, yes, I'm going to drive to work, but I'm going to hold God's hand while I do that. So... Prayer, asking God for help. Pick an area and say, you know what, my children, and when they misbehave and I want to correct them, I know how to do it because I've been doing it their whole life. But let me stop and say, God, I need your help. Because I'm going to go correct my child, but I'm going to hold on to God's hand while I do it. 
That's relying on God. Prayer. Prayer is the key. If you're not asking God for help, you're doing life on your own. Prayer is the key to relying on God, and faith is the practice of relying on God. It's obedience regardless of our understanding. So we need as Christians to learn to rely on God. Do life holding God's hand. Best way that I can say that. And then we see, to close things out this morning, that we also have an obligation to rely on others. Just like Christ relied on the disciples throughout his ministry, we need to learn to rely on others as well. I'm going to take a little more time here. We understand that we need to rely on God. But God's also put us in a place where we need to learn to rely on each other. God's given two institutions that you are a part of, that you are to rely on. You're not an island unto yourself. First is the family. Now, every family situation is different, and I can't give a cookie-cutter scenario of how everyone ends up relying on their families, but we know the Bible talks about how husbands and wives need one another. We know about the relationship between parents and children, and as they grow up and you have adult, um, you have aged parents and you have adult children, how they rely on one another. There's the idea of relying on your brother found in the book of Proverbs, a sibling that is there. We see the requirement of a, before a widow is supposed to be taken care of by the church, she should first be provided for by her family. We're familiar with this. We know about relying on our family when those needs are there. So that's not the focus for, for this point here. But we also see God's put us into a church. And God puts you into a church and you have an obligation to rely on your church family. This is a family that you're a part of. And at, like a family, we learn to rely on others as well. You know, there's certain circumstances that you can and should rely even more on your church family than your regular family. The Bible says a neighbor that is near is better than a brother that is far off. My brother would be willing to help me with whatever I needed help with if I needed help. But there's a lot of men in this church that would get a call before my brother does. Because uh, my brother's in South Carolina. And uh, it's going to take him a while to come help me uh, get a big box out of the back of my truck. So I'm going to call my neighbor who's a little bit closer uh, to help me get a box out of my truck. We're here to rely on one another. We need to learn to do that. You actually have a duty to rely on your church family. Galatians 6 1 says, Bear ye, no, I'm sorry, 6 3, I believe it is, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You fulfill the law of Christ when you're carrying other people's burdens in your church family. But let's flip it around. If you don't share your burdens with your church family, you're not allowing them to fulfill Christ's law. That I have a law to carry Lucas's burdens. But if I don't know what his burdens are, I can't fulfill the law. I can't do what I'm supposed to do when you keep your burdens to yourself. When you keep your struggles to yourself. When you're going to rely on yourself, you don't let me do my job. Or anybody else in the church family. That we have an obligation to share our burdens. We have an obligation as part of a church to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. But when a church member decides to do all their weeping and all the rejoicing on their own, the rest of us are prevented from our biblical obligation. As a church member, when one member suffers, we're all supposed to suffer with them. But when someone decides to suffer by themselves because they can handle it, you're, you're hurting the rest of the church family. We have the illustration in the Bible of the church being a body, specifically in this idea of one member suffering. This week, we were working downstairs, and I got a metal splinter in my finger. Oh, they hurt so bad. They're so small, and so, but they hurt so bad. Now, go with the illustration. My finger is suffering. What if it was going to be uh, so self-reliant that it says, you know what, I don't want the rest of the body to suffer with me, so I'm just going to take myself away and go suffer by myself. Cut, I'm going to cut myself off from the rest of the body so that I can suffer by myself. 
Okay, the rest of the body is going to hurt even more now because um, of how you've isolated your suffering from everybody else. If I cut my finger off to save the rest of my body from hurting with the, splin- uh, the splinter, uh, I just made things a lot worse for the rest of the body. But we can get that attitude of, I can do this on my own. I don't, I don't need to burden the church family with this. God says that's what we're a family for, that we need to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. And if we keep all our weeping and all of our rejoicing and all of our suffering to ourselves, the rest of the church can't do their job. And it actually hurts the rest of the body, that, that we're choosing to be self-reliant in this way. But here's the thing. It takes humility to rely on others instead of just myself. The basis of self-reliance is not courage. It's not toughness. It's pride. If we're going to rely on our church family, we're going to have to swallow our pride and share our burdens. It's not easy, but it's the right thing to do. A couple years ago, I was doing some work with my dad. He was up here visiting, and we were working together, and, and we were talking about him and his dad and, and some of the relationship there. And he asked the question, and we were talking about things that had happened in, in our life and growing up and me going through college. And, and he asked me the question, and he says, so your mom and I are at a point in our life where we've got our needs taken care of with our, our stuff and retirement. How, how would you feel if, if we gave you some money? At some points in your life, just not not right now, but as stuff comes up, how would you feel? Because his dad would not accept money from his parents, and he said, "I didn't accept money from my parents." Um, and so, is this something that you would do? I said, "Well, about three or four years ago, I'd have said no. Like I can no, don't worry about it. I'm I'm okay." But I've learned some humility, and and if that's something that you want to do to be a blessing to our family, that's okay. But he had to ask, why? Because I had a lot of arrogance as a young person. And if he'd have, if he'd have offered that to me earlier, I'd have said, no, I can do it on my own. Because it was pride. It takes humility to accept help. So if we're going to overcome self-reliance, we need to have the humility to rely on others. And we have to pray and rely on God. We don't have time to look at it today, but I have a point in the notes there. Being relied upon. You, just as you learn to rely on others, you need to be somebody that others can rely upon, and that takes faithfulness. But that's another lesson for another day. Let's go.